0: and your love for others would be seen and heard. Well, good morning. Good morning. How about that rain, huh? Yeah. We need this rain. Yes. Love it. I love seeing some young people lead worship for us. Thanks for helping us um, sing unto the Lord. Isn't that great? You did a great job banging on that cajon. It's awesome. Great to hear the scripture read. Thank you, Clayton. Doesn't he have a great baritone voice? <laughs> I didn't know he had such a nice, good voice. Well, hey, if you're visiting with us uh, this morning, welcome. My name is Mike Newman, and um, I have the privilege of bringing you God's Word this morning. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we last week finished 1 Samuel, and it was a great book for our hearts, for our church. Um, next week, we're starting the five solas of the of the Christian faith. So we're going to study uh, uh, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, Scripture alone, and to God alone be the glory. If you are unfamiliar with those terms, I'm so excited to introduce to you uh, the historical, um, orthodox view of Christianity. And so it'll be a sweet 10 weeks. This will be our summer series. And uh, oftentimes, you know, when you end, end a book and then start a different one, it's nice to just take a week and um, and and look at scripture and see what has bubbled up in our hearts and what's going on in the church and be able to talk about it and allow God's word to lead us in a, in a direction. And so today um, I would like to talk about, I'd like to preach on and see God's word reveal um, his heart for missions, God's heart for missions. And so um uh, the reason why I'm doing this it, uh, at this time, June 11th, is because in a month, in July, myself, my oldest daughter, and a CEO from Indiana named Bob Kraft, we are going to Burundi, which is in East Africa, and we are going to go on behalf of our church and other Church in the Y churches. And if you're familiar with that, kind of our lingo, lingo, we say city churches for short for Church in the Y. And we are going to ask the Lord on this vision trip to see if this would be a work for our church um, in order to advance the gospel uh, to other people, to other people groups, to other nations. And so um, even in hearing that, um, I saw a couple like eyes get big, not out of excitement, but out of like, oh, my word, Newman, what in the world? What are you thinking of going to Africa how big are those bugs there? I saw a couple of those eyes. I know what you're thinking. I've seen that before. Uh huh. How big are the bugs there? Or why in the world would you get on a plane for thirty hours? It is a really good question. Thank you. Thank you. I've been asking that. Yeah. Um, why a vision trip for future mission there? Um, And so, um, I'd like to provide an answer from the Scripture today. Um, The answer, in short, um, would be a a Latin phrase, um, missio dei, which is translated throughout history as just the mission of God. Why would we be interested in the work of God somewhere else, some 8,000 miles away? Answer, the mission of God, missio dei. It's because of what God has done and what He wants to do through um, the power of His Spirit and through the church today. And so the title of today's message is The Mission of God, if you're taking notes. And the sermon in a sentence, kind of the, the argument that we're going to bring forth, um, that we want you to hear clearly and talk about at lunch and let it um, let this seed be planted and you... Um, you grow from it and think about it and submit and surrender to it and see what the Lord does in your life, Uh, would be this, that God's heart from the beginning has been for all peoples to worship Him. I'll read it again. God's heart from the beginning has been for all peoples to worship Him. So if you would, let's start in our Bibles at Genesis 12. So open up those Bibles. We're going to be flipping to a lot of places today. It's going to be like a systematic theology study of missions. So we're going to just walk through the Bible and see God's heart for all peoples. Let me just set you up for Genesis 12, okay? Adam and Eve, they took of the fruit and they fell. That was when sin came into the world. Um, God, uh, they were... they were. Uh, God said, hey, I want you to leave the garden now. And I want you to go. I want you to go from it. And I want you to go and multiply. Um, After the fall, there was a whole bunch of years. The flood came. Floods came down. What came up? Who knows it from childhood? The rains came down and the the floods came up. That's right. Floods came up. Uh, Noah and his family got out of the ark. Uh, God said, hey, I want you to go and multiply. And they did. That was Genesis 6. Uh, Genesis 11 comes after a number of years and uh, people in general uh, took on this impression of, I don't want to go and multiply anymore. I don't want to go to the farthest ends, the, the, the corners of the earth. I want to be safe. I want to gather. And so Genesis 11 is the story of the Tower of Babel when people said, you know what? How about we build this massive structure up to the Lord and it'll be helpful for us. Um, When we go out, we can see it from a distance. It'll be safe. Let's build walls around us. Let's have a common language. Why? Because it's easier. I can be understood and I can understand. And the humor of God's scripture comes in where it says, and God came down. They wanted to build up to heaven, but God went, I'm coming down, right? And I'm going to restore what I originally intended. I want want you to go, and I want you to multiply, and I want you to go to the ends of the earth. Adam and Eve, Noah, and now these people at the Tower of Babel. And so he restored the vision. Granted them languages. Confused them amongst each other. And as a result, they went from there. And then Genesis 12 happens. I'm going to read it for us, starting in verse 1. God chooses this man named Abram, later known as Abraham. He chooses a certain person and then a people group to fulfill this this original intent, this movement outwards. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And watch this. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There it is. So God gives this vision to Abram. Him and his family, his people. And through this family, He's going to bless all nations. All peoples. And so the story continues that Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. The 11 sons, the, the brothers of, of, uh, of Joseph, sold him into slavery. You remember this story? And he goes on down to Egypt. He lives there for a while till there was a famine in the land. Um, uh, Jacob. And his sons, and now about 70 of them, okay? They come down to Egypt to get food. They're really hungry. They meet Joseph. They didn't know who he was for a little bit. He was in disguise. But now Joseph embraces them and they stay in Egypt for 400 years and grow to be a a people of 2 million, okay? Why did God send them there? So that they wouldn't go hungry? That was one of the purposes. Turn to the book of Exodus with me. We're just marching through the scriptures, seeing the heart of God. Exodus chapter 9, verse 14. Why did God send his people down to Egypt? Throughout this sermon, I'm going to try to. I'm, I'm actually really excited about this. It's easy for me when I get excited to get my tone up and loud. I'm going to try to stay settled for you so that you see the argument of scripture more than the argument of Newman. Okay. So if you, if you say, Hey, nice job being monotone this Sunday. That's actually my goal. I want to be that way. If, if you see me getting excited, just do this to me. Okay. Okay. This is verse 14, chapter nine. For this time, I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and your people. Watch this. So that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Why did God send God's people to Egypt? So that all peoples would know him. Not just to save Israel, but so that Egypt and all peoples would know that God is the only God on earth. And there will be no one like him. And there is no one like him. So the story continues. God's people cry out, free us, let us go from this slavery, from this bondage. God rose up a man named Moses. Moses came into the land, addressed Pharaoh. He said, Hey, let my people go. After a while, after the 10 plagues, Pharaoh let his people, let, let God's people go. They out, got the law, wandered around for 40 years. Came into the promised land. Moses died. Joshua led the people into the promised land. The land of Canaan. Israel as we know it, right? Uh, They divided and conquered. Joshua was the warrior leader. This takes us to the book of Joshua, right? He went north. He went south, west, and east in that order. And they divided. They conquered. They settled the land. In order to lead the people, they set up judges. Now we're in the book of Judges. So we've got guys like Samson. Ladies like Deborah, right? And they're governing the people. After the judges come kings. We've got guys like Saul, who we just learned about. We studied together the book of 1 Samuel. We learned all about David. David had a son named Solomon. Solomon, go to the book of 1 Kings. Okay? David wanted to build a house for God. God said, "Bro, you have shed too much blood. But I'm going to let your son do it." David was was pretty cool with that. He 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 like laid out the plans for his son. He commissioned his son and his and his son did it. The temple is built. This is the big moment, the ribbon cutting moment. Solomon, all the people are there and he has this prayer in order to dedicate the temple to God, okay? What would you say in this prayer? Okay? It starts in verse 12. Okay? And it's all the things you would expect. God, you are so good. Look at all the ink that is spilled on this long prayer. Okay? Chapter 8, verse 12. You've been faithful. Hey, we, we've been a mess, but you have forgiven us. When we have strayed, you've come back to us. You've like, pursued us. You've brought us back. You've heard our prayers. You've protected us from our enemies and then and then all the way down find it verse 59 let these words of mine this is solomon praying all the people of god are listening we're in first kings 8 verse 59 let these words of mine with which i have pleaded before the lord be near to the lord our god day and night and may he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day requires. Verse 60 That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Are you catching with me so far? Are you following me? Are you seeing the theme so far? Go ahead, keep turning to the right. Psalm 67. Psalm 67, written by David, um, the psalmist, starts off with, with what is known as the Aaronic blessing. Aaron, this is what he prayed. This is th- consistent throughout Scripture. We love verse 1. We pray verse 1 a lot. Um, watch how verse 1 doesn't just stop at verse 1, but it continues. Watch the purpose of it. If you're tracking with me so far, you're going to know why we chose this one. And you can expect what to hear. It's going to be something about all peoples. It's going to be something about God's heart for all peoples to know and love and worship Him. Okay, Here's verse 1 of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us. Again, we we like to stop there, don't we? (laughs) Lord, bless me, bless me. But why? Why? Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Pause. Worship. Verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the earth that has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. So far, hopefully monotone, are you convinced? I hope so. There's more. There's a whole bunch more. It's coming your way. But catch it that God loves people. He wants people to know Him. And He has planned out, forged a way so that people would know Him. In the Old Testament, His plan was I'm going to use a certain people group in order to reach the nations. I'm going to use a people to reach the peoples. How's He going to do that? Turn to Isaiah 42, verse 6. If you want to know what was the purpose of Israel in the Old Testament, Isaiah 42 summarizes it really well. Isaiah 42. We were in it just a bit ago. Isaiah 55. Now we're in 42. Here's the purpose of Israel. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. That's it. What was Israel's purpose? They were to be a light to the nations. So God wanted all peoples to know Him. He chose a people to be a light so that all peoples would hear His good news, turn to Him and repent. and Know Him. Did they do it? Sadly, no, they didn't do it. They weren't consistent or they didn't fulfill the purpose that which God gave them to be a light to the nations. So if you want to if you want an answer to a good Bible trivia question, if you read through the prophets. okay? we read one of the major prophets this morning. All major means is it's a really big book. Minor prophets means it's a really small book in the Old Testament. okay? It's not that complicated. It's really cool, actually. If you want to know the, the most common word used by the prophets, both major and minor in the Old Testament, it's this. Shur. Hebrew for Return. All of them say it. Hey, Israel, return. Return to your God. Return to the purpose, that which I created you. I want you to be a... A light to the nations. So return. You're not doing it. We. Will, this is God's heart. He wants the nations to hear about Him. They've got to know that He is God and there is no one like Him. I'm choosing you. You're rejecting me. Return. And so Jesus comes on the scene. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 1. We're in the New Testament now. New Testament. John 1. I loved the book of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Look at verse 6. Look at how John immediately picks up on the themes of Scripture, the themes of the Old Testament. Okay? Verse 6 there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Okay? John was a Jew. John was a Jew. He came, this is Jesus, he came as a witness. I'm sorry, he, John, Came as a witness to bear witness about the light. Huh. Why did he choose light? Isaiah 42, right? He's picking up the theme that Jesus came to bear witness. John came to bear witness about the light, okay? That all might believe through him. John, he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Now it's going to talk about who the light is. Verse 9, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Israel was supposed to be the light. Again, they rejected their, their, their calling. Uh, athletes would say, like Israel dropped the ball. Now Jesus is on the scene. He actually is the true light. John 15 says He's the true vine. But the people who were to bear witness about the light, starts to change. Starts to shift. There's in essence a passing of the torch torch from Israel to a certain people group now. Verse 10, still in John 1, He was in the world and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own. Who's His own? Israel, the Jews, and his own people did not receive him. So he came to the Jews first. But to all who did receive him, emphasis on all, to all who did receive him, he who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who's receiving him now? Gentiles. What's a Gentile? Anyone who's not a Jew. Romans 9 through 11 uh, talks about there's a partial hardening, a veil over the eyes of the Jews now. And so, who is receiving Christ now? It's the Gentiles, the Irishmen, the Germans, the South Africans, the Australians. It, the major percentage of people receiving Christ now are not the Jews. Some do, there's a partial veil, some do, but most our Gentiles that receive Christ right now. It's interesting. What is God doing? Verse 13, we'll just finish it out. Who were born not of the blood, not of blood, that is, who were born not of the Jewish blood, but who were born of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1. Go to the book of Acts. Find chapter 2, okay? Okay? Acts is where we see the church beginning. God, through his son Jesus, now sends the Spirit. Okay? He commissions his people, his disciples, the Jews, okay? 12 guys, and says, Hey, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to go to the nations. Wait for a sec until the power of God, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. God's power especially comes on people. Who are witnessing? It's evangelism, power through the Spirit. It's awesome. Okay. Acts 2 comes along. The guys start preaching the gospel. Okay. And tongues of fire appear on their head. We call this the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were preaching to the nations, to all sorts of people all around them who spoke in all different languages and god says you know what i'm going to almost give them like this babel experience where i'm restoring what was what was once lost in genesis 11 i'm going to give them a language now languages that they can understand so that they can go to the nations with my message so that all peoples will know that there is none like me these galileans speak and and People from other nations, other languages are understanding in their own tongue. And their response is what in the world? This fisherman, this tax collector, how can this Galilean know my language? They're uneducated. Sorry, I'm going to try to keep monotone. Okay? Look at verse 5. Verse 5 of chapter 2. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound of the multitude that came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in his own native language? So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3000 souls. Pentecost, The starting of the church. This message starts moving outward. We see the ripple effects. It starts reaching the nations. The message of the gospel. This message. It's not just a message that's true. It's a message that's real. It causes change in people's lives. For example, let's look at the Apostle Paul. Um, But let me be specific It starts changing people's lives as individuals. Then I'm going to talk about communities as a whole. Okay. So, Apostle Paul, go to the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 15. This message at Pentecost goes out. It's people start hearing it. Paul becomes a Christian. Okay. And he views his salvation not for himself, like Psalm 67, verse 1 only. He views His salvation like the whole of Psalm 67. I am being saved in order to be a blessing for others. Who others? For the nations! That's the, that's the, the message of the Scriptures. I am viewing my conversion as a calling. Not just something that I receive only, but as a mission. Look at Galatians 1.15. God revealed His Son to me to carry the name of the Lord before the Gentiles and Jews. What do you think? Was Saul selfish with his salvation? <laughs> this, he, he's got many verses that would describe his vision statement of life. Um, this is why he was saved. I'm, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to carry the name of the Lord to other people. Gentiles, and Jews. Did it impact uh, Paul as an individual? Absolutely. What about when individuals get together? Does it form and shape the church? Universal? Does it shape local churches? Does it shape the gathering? A whole group of people to be called... Or is this evangelism and mission thing just like on our own? Are we supposed to just do it as individuals? Yes. But what about churches as a whole? Let's see, um, let's see Acts 11 take place. Go to Acts 11, 29. Acts 11, this is a profound statement, comes a few chapters after Acts 6. Okay. Acts 6 was the first conflict in the church. Um, the the disciples, the apostles, appointed seven um, men to to look after the Hellenistic Jews. Um, the apostles appointed all Greek names. They appointed Gentiles, and we see this like this this occurrence. This again, this torch being passed where Gentiles start taking the gospel and moving it out. And then we see this church in Acts 11 doing something very fascinating. I'm going to read it for us. There was a famine happening away from Jerusalem. Emphasis on away from Jerusalem. We would say outside of our own four walls of church, outside of Mainville, outside of the gathering, something else was happening. Let's see if they scoff at it. Let's say if they say, eh, we're going to do anything about that. i got my lawn to take care of. Okay? Take care of your lawns. I'm not saying don't take care of your lawns. Okay. Verse 29, So the disciples determined everyone according to his own ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Isn't that fascinating? Here we see whole churches being convicted and convinced that we must do something that actually has nothing to do with us in our daily lives. In our stuff that's going on, they don't even see these people on a daily basis, they don't even know them, but they know their brethren and their heart goes out to them. Why? Because of the first half of our scriptures are telling us that God's heart is for all peoples, the nations, that he loves them. And when a person comes to Christ and loves Christ and embraces Christ with all, not just professes, but possesses him. That is biblically converted, not just, yeah, I agree with that, but wants him and follows after him. They start loving the things that Christ loves. What does Christ love? People. Why? Why? Because they love Jesus. Because he saved them. And therefore, they want other people to know and grow in Christ. This is the, the, the process of growth in the life of a Christian. You begin to become what is called a world Christian. You're not just concerned about your own bubble. You begin to extend yourself towards people, your family, your local church. And then you begin to get, have a heart for people you don't even know. You've never even met before. It's so crazy. And it's so scriptural. We could live in this for a long time. And we will for a number of years. As long as the Lord gives me voice, um, I'll preach this message. But let's just cap it off uh, right now with Revelation. Go all the way to the right in your Bibles, and we'll see what is the Lord doing. What did He do in the Old Testament? What did He do through His Son, Jesus? What did He do through all those letters? Why was He doing it? Revelation 7 Here we get a look at the throne room. And I hope that you can anticipate what is coming in terms of theme. I'm going to start reading in verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb verse 11 and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying amen Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. God's mission is to use us. Use the local church so that there will be the fullness in heaven one day. In short, if that's to like spiritual or theological. In short, it would be like this. He wants to use you. He wants to use us. First person singular, first person plural. To be able to say this to someone in heaven. Hey, when we were on earth, I really wanted you to be here so that you could worship Him. Period. That's the vision and mission of our lives. So what are we going to do about it? Everyone repeat after me. Ready? So what? It's a good question, right? If we ended it there, I think the Spirit is powerful enough for sure to be like, You know what? Johnny heard the message. And and if he has the Spirit, he's going to be guided along and the Word is going to work in his life. I'm I'm going to to use this quote as we study the five solas because we need to know what old dead guys said about how uh, God works. Martin Luther once said about the Reformation. If this offends you, I don't mean this to be offensive or snarky, but this is what he said, okay? Someone asked him, what did you do to cause the Reformation, to cause people to be reformed back to God? And he said, I, I didn't do anything. I just preached God's Word, and I watched it work as I drank beer in the pubs. That, that's what he did. It, it's not an emphasis on beer. It's an emphasis on how God works, how it goes out and it, it, it forms people and it continues to go out. It's God's powerful word, sola scriptura. We'll talk about it for a while. It's going to be great. But so what? Like, what are we going to do about that? This is the time when I, as your pastor, get to apply it to us as a people group. Okay. Um, I, I quoted for you, Acts 1 8. I'd like you to just see it with your own eyes, though. Would you turn to Acts chapter one, verse eight. I'm going to read it again, okay? It says, "But you will receive power when the holy Spirit so so just to pause for a sec. Um, when we say, "How are we going to do that?" That's not, that's not exactly precise. That's not super theologically accurate because the Holy Spirit is going to do it, but God has chosen people to accomplish his means, like his, his will. And so the people are the means to do it. That's a, a, a hard and fast conviction from Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word. So we can't just say, ah, oh, the spirit will get that person. Which he can and he does, but he does and wants and has in the past used people to reach other people. That's how it happens. So it's okay to say, what are we going to do about it? As long as we understand it's from the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's continue on in verse 8. Um, so Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. in. And here's our concentric circles. This is not only the order of the book of Acts, but it's also a good framework to think about in missions. Witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of Of the earth and so let's let's take that order okay let's take that order of Jerusalem Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth and talk about that for a sec it seems that through the book of Acts and even in our church it seems that when people start growing in Christ they start extending themselves towards others and Churches are able to take on more responsibility and have a heart for more people as they deepen in their love for the Lord. That's what I think happened, happened in Acts. That's what I think is happening in our church. What am I saying? I think that we can start taking on more missions in our church. More things outside of Jerusalem um, and we'll go from there, okay? So I want to talk about Jerusalem for a second. This is what we are doing and have done so far as a church. Jerusalem. We would define this as like the why, our first platform of ministry. Um, you, you know this. We meet in a why. It's on purpose, um, and it's on pur- purpose for the purpose of missions. We want to bring Christ to this why. We've made some great strides in the last five years here. Um, it. Uh, in terms of a mission calendar, we don't like stick our nose up in the air and go, I wonder what we should do. We we go and talk to the Y and say, what are you guys doing? And how can we get on board to meet lost people? To meet the families that send their kids here. Um, we have a harvest dinner. We feed 120 families or so. We have a VBS that is coming up in July. Uh, this is not like any normal VBS in that, 80 90 percent of the kids here have never heard the gospel. Last year was our first year doing it, it was awesome. They're asking, wait, 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 wait. I thought my grandma and grandpa were in the sky, and there were the stars. But who made the stars? What's it what total worldview shift, right? They're hearing things they've never heard before, they're not gonna hear it at Little Miami. They're hearing it now, okay? Um, twice a month, we have a continual ministry here where we're getting to share the gospel twice a month with forty kids at our, our at our chapel. It is awesome. Brian Lewis has done a bang up job doing it, and I just love to see. I love seeing what the Lord is doing. Uh, Jerusalem, I think that we as a church can grow in the area of more community impact. Our church is called The Gathering um, to emphasize the importance of local church fellowship. What goes on here? Um, It has been so downplayed in the last 50 years of Christianity. God loves to work through his word, through the sacraments, the the ordinances, through the fellowship of of God's people when they meet together together, Through service, the local church assembly called Ecclesia in the book of Acts is God's plan for how people grow. So we are just like, ah, let's just go to church. We go to church because that's the common regulatory way that people grow in Christ. It's through church. Doesn't sound cool, does it? Doesn't sound like awesome with a cool logo. Like, oh, our church is so like sexy and stuff like that. It's, this, this is like the, the normal way that God has worked throughout history. We'd say it the normative way, right? So, when we say that though, the local church, it is easy to start thinking about just what we do here. In, but, so we were called the gathering also to emphasize the movement outward, the scattering, what we do from Monday through Saturday. So your ministry with your neighbors, your family, your lost friends is absolutely significant. The simple way to communicate that would be, hey church, let's, let's grow in, in this area of loving and serving the lost. Let's come alongside them. Let's share Jesus with them. Let's pray together that they would come to know Christ. Why? Not just so that we would have more butts in the seats. So that we could say, Hey, we're in heaven together. And I wanted you to be, I prayed for you for 20 years. Why? Not just so that I could have a feather in my hat or a little thing in my belt, so that you would see him and know him and worship him forever and ever and ever. Isn't this awesome? That that ministry is absolutely essential to make disciples. And so we're praying that it would be, 50 years ago, churches did this really well. My my church growing up used to have Friend Sunday. They also used to have name tag Sunday too, right? Bring a friend, bring your neighbor. And it was very invitational. And somewhere along the lines, it was not cool to invite your friends to church. You had to wait like 10 years to establish good relationship with them in order to say, hey, I go to church here, you want to come, right? So, if that encourages you or challenges you, let's do that together. Let's invite people to church. Why? Because God saves people through the preaching of God's word. So, I think that we could use a good dose of boldness for the cause of Christ. Not a good dose of programs, although programs sometimes are helpful, but a good dose as a community as individuals make up a community boldness for the gospel one action point prayer would you pray about how to grow to be more deliberate for reaching the community around us i'm not married to one any specific idea or like agenda item on a calendar if you have some ideas share them let's let's together set our hearts towards reaching the people around us for Jesus. That's Jerusalem. Samaria, Judea. Uh, we could say uh, domestic missions or domestic opportunities, okay? Um, we are actively searching for other city churches to partner with to further the gospel. Um, so other city churches in other cities, just to be clear, Okay. Um, Let me just say, there is no shortage of opportunities when it comes to looking for uh, partner churches to do uh, service and gospel-oriented ministry. Um, Just this past week, uh, on Wednesday, I I got a phone call from a YMCA in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, saying, Hey, do you know of anyone who would like to plant a church in our Y? I said, I don't know, let me shoot a few texts around. Got a hold of a guy who is living in Eau Claire looking for a place to plant the church. They met on Thursday and I'm pretty sure they're going to plant the church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Do they need some help? Mm, Probably. (laughs) Right? Uh, Do you think that we could share a few things about what we've learned in the past five years? I think so. It's not an issue of like, man, there's no opportunities out there. It's just asking the Lord and being honest with each other, which one for us now, Lord? There's a famine over there in Judea. Acts 11, the church says, let's go. Let's send my, Let's do something. Why? Because they're our brothers. So, 2024, I would like to assemble a team that leads our church to serve somewhere else than Mainville. Um, a couple of them that I that I know of, but it doesn't mean it's like, thus saith the Lord. Um, here's, here's five of them, okay? Blue Ash, Cincinnati. I've shared with a few of you, but in the fall, there's going to be a new church plant in Blue Ash. This is the next closest YMCA to us besides Lebanon and Landon. Um, I've met the guy. Um, our team um, with the city movement has has done a great work in um, meeting with the CEO of Cincinnati, meeting with the pastor, you know, trying to to get them to have a good dating, marriage, relationship, whatever. And um, they need a lot of help. They need a lot of help being the gospel in Blue Ash. And I think that would be a no-brainer, easy, low-budget item to drive 20 minutes south of here and serve in that in that church plant some way. I don't know what that looks like, but that's, that's one. Another one is Indianapolis. Uh, A few months ago, I went to Indianapolis. There's 12 wise in Indy. There are 10 churches in, in those in, in uh, in 10 wise there. Two more are being planned, planned to plant and all of them in some way uh, would, would love to be served and helped. Um, So the network of city churches is growing. Indianapolis, Miami, Florida, Miami, Florida. Uh, I've been talking to the pastor there. They uh, We shared it uh, a few months ago, but they recently planted. Um, they are about 20 people now. They started with a small group of 11, and they are doing a great gospel work there. Um, Miami, very hard part of the country in terms of weather. So I know that doesn't interest you guys at all. But um, uh, the last one that I'll mention, and there's like, 80 more that I could, is at Chesapeake Bay. Chesapeake Bay, uh, out east. Um, This this pastor who's going to join us in the pastor's conference this fall in Silver Bay, New York, um, they just committed to stay in the Y. And the Y said, if you stay, would you please plant in our 17 other YMCAs? Right? 17 church plants. That is a lifetime work. That's too much for our church right now. But that's something that we could see, oversee, and delegate to some church on the East Coast, right? So there, there's a lot going on. I just want to like wet your 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 um your palate. I just want to, want to get that app wet. Yeah. I want to get your appetite going for the opportunities that pay. Will you start praying with us? This is a great opportunity. All right, let's go to the um, ends of the earth. If this interests you at all in terms of uh, Judea, Samaria, you're like, yes, I want to lead that. I want to be a part of that. Would you come talk to me? Ends of the earth. Burundi. Here we go. Right now, we're setting our sights on East Africa. Why? Because open doors often come through relationships. Um, I, uh Hannah and I met this guy named Arthur Ramboni, which means um, the God who sees. We met him at uh, last year's pastors conference for uh, pastors of churches in the Y. He is the um, CEO of the YMCA of Burundi, and he uh, asked me to come over and see the vision, teach in a pastors conference, um, help speak at a youth camp and train YMCA staff there. That, to me, is like trifecta slam dunk, okay? This is what they want to do. Um, the YMC of Burundi wants to purchase three plots of land in the next year or two to build three things. One, a school, a feeding center, and a pastoral training center in order to plant a church there and train other pastors and, and make an impact on churches. That's what they want to do there. Uh, in July... Uh, July eighth, I'll be departing, and um, in the coming weeks, we're going to bring you along in terms of how to pray specifically and how to minister um, as a church there. But right now, I'm asking: Would you start praying? Pray specifically for this vision trip. We're calling it a vision trip because we don't know if it's going to be like the best fit. We think it might be, which is why we're why we're going. But pray uh, for wisdom. We want to start a three-year partnership with an international YMCA for the purpose of planting a church. And I think this is the quickest and easiest and best way and most trustworthy people in order to get there. And so year one, it would look like a few of us going over there, serving, um, serving in the camps, serving in the Y, and start uh, the process of planting a church. Um, it's, it's got to be more than just a mission trip, though, which is why we're saying it's a three-year partnership. You can't just be like, oh, that was a cool experience or whatever. We've got to keep going back in order to evaluate, establish relationships and see about future work. Why? Because we're dealing with people. And you can really hurt people in missions, too. There's a great book I'd recommend called When Helping Hurts. There's so many, so many churches have gone overseas, they've built a well, and it's caused more damage than good. Do people need clean water? Absolutely. But they're not doing it in a wise way. So you've got to be really careful when it comes to missions. So that's why we're going to take it slow, we're going to take our time, and we're going to pray a whole lot. How did I do it being monotone? Great. So, this summer um for now would you ask this question would you pray this question lord what would you have me do as it comes to as it relates to the ends of the earth non-christian if you're here if you've never become a christian if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ um, but you're hearing this mission of god and you're like I am not on that mission, and I would like to be caught up on that mission. Um, Let me tell you really quickly how to do that. You must believe in Jesus, period. You must confess your sins. You, You must recognize that you're not on the mission of God. You're on some other mission, and you need to align your heart with Jesus Christ and follow him in order to be consistent with the mission of God. Many non-believers have gone on mission trips. Um, it's been sightseeing. It's been traveling. But it's not been a mission trip. You must be on mission with him. Christian, you, when you came to Christ, we saw this with Paul, when you came to Christ, you were on mission. It's not like, ah, that's for the varsity Christian or whatever. This is your very identity. So would you start praying about how you could be used more for God's glory? Two things, and then we'll take communion together. Prayer. Uh, We're going to put together a bookmark for you to pray uh, each day from July 8th to July 16th. And So be looking for that. We're going to ask you to pray every day. And then, two uh, for the campers. We're gonna uh, there's gonna be about 150 of them. We're gonna assemble a, a, a note-taking book. And we're gonna ask each of you to write two um, write in two notebooks uh, for the campers. And there's gonna be some translation uh, translators that work there, but we want you to pray about that and include scripture and include a prayer specifically for each kid in the camp. Let's take the Lord's supper. Turn with me to Isaiah 55 again. Isaiah, as Clayton said, is an invitation to all peoples. It would be easy to say all peoples, that's everyone else except me. And that's why I want to just come back to this again. Verse 1 says, Come, Everyone who thirsts. And so, if you, like in Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That is a mark, that is a, a characteristic or a pattern of a Christian who wants Christ. Doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't mean we're without sin. I would be the first to say, I, 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 I'm the dirtiest, darkest one in here in my heart. But if you hunger and thirst after Christ, after his righteousness, then we want you to come. We should come and take the bread and the cup. In order to come, God's word says you must be cleaned. Psalm 51 is our spiritual bath. John, 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins. And so it's called fencing the table, that we want to protect the table because God's word protects it. Protects it, and he says that you must allow yourself to be examined. And so, if you have any junk in your life, any sin, any unforgiveness towards anyone, that we would ask you to withhold, it's not noble to withhold forever, it's noble to get right with God. And so, let's take some time, become right with the Lord, and celebrate the gospel once again that Jesus Christ, He was sent from God the Father. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried for three days. After three days, He rose again. He appeared to some. He ascended into heaven. And there He sits at the right hand. And one day He'll come. And He will come to judge. And hopefully, we'll see that day when He comes. This is a great way to wait until that day. To fuel and nourish your soul before him. Let me pray. So Lord, we love you. We love your ways. We love your mission. And we as a community ask for forgiveness when we have strayed from your mission. Lord, forgive us. Restore us. Renew our hearts and minds so that we may be used as a tool, a vessel in your hand. As your people look to you now, minister to them, would your Holy Spirit comfort those who need comforting? And would your Holy Spirit convict those who need convicting? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come when you're ready, and then we'll close in a song together.